Hi, welcome back to PH Expanded. This is Mike, and uh, I am in a good place. Uh, I'm sure you are too with the Arsenal right now. Uh, bouncing back, three losses, three wins. Sort of frustrating, depending on which way you look at it, I suppose, as to how we could lose those three games against mid table teams that have nothing much to play for and won these three. But uh, good that we are capable of being a backs-against-the-wall team and can play under pressure because it looked like during those three games that we were struggling with pressure, uh, the expectation. And the whole we're a young team was being banded around as a decent excuse and Arsenal just not ready yet. Um, I think we've got a coach that's far more motivated than just to throw his hands up and accept and point fingers at the board for you know not preparing him with a team that's more experienced or whatever all the other coaches tend to do when things start going wrong is to point the fingers. And so I just wanted to give some kudos to Arteta for turning that around. Um, as miserable as those three results were, you have to be able to bounce back. And he's shown that bounce back ability. There's no doubt about that. Uh, the sliding doors moment of the game, I think, was clearly the second goal. And as easy as that might be to say that you score a goal that wins the game, that's the moment that changes the game. I think it's bigger than that. I think at uh, 2-1, if West Ham get that goal, the 2-1 goal, then the crowd, who are largely quiet um, and due to our state of boredom in the first half, we think we bored them to death with our um, up, back, up, back, up, back approach to playing uh, in the first half, um, they would have been reignited and re-energised, and that probably would have given them the extra energy and uh, and will to want to win, because there's no doubt that their eyes have to be closer to the Europa League, and the fact that they can qualify for the Champions League through the Europa League and winning it, uh, and they're still in that. Um, so when Gabriel scored after that, if if you watch from that point onwards, there was a marked difference in the energy and the belief of the West Ham players. So whew, that was big. What a big goal for Arsenal. Uh, we're ahead of schedule, as per, I think, what most fans expected. Of course, now it looks like it's fourth or fifth for us. Um, and I wonder what the club's expectations for Arteta were. I'm sure he told them that they're capable of top four, but that would be a bit of a reach. Uh, that would be my best guess. But whoever knows, right? He's a confident guy. Um, but we are, regardless of uh, where we, whether we finish fourth or fifth this season, it's an improvement. It's an improvement in league standing. And more importantly than that, it's an improvement in what we're looking at. Um, he's cleansed the squad of the problems that the club clearly had, the players that weren't fitting in and causing disruption. That's been done. Don't think that there seems to be any bad eggs around anymore. So we've got rid of that and we've gone and replaced with um, not just good eggs, but some really positive signings that have made a, a very true contribution this season and been one of, one of our best transfer windows that we've had in modern times. So I think regardless of what happens, things are looking up. Um, I do wonder, though, if... Uh, incremental growth might be best for this team. Not that I don't want to get in the Champions League. I do desperately, and I think it'll expedite the signing of better players. And, you know, a player that 
I mentioned in the blog today, Aurelien Charmaine, we would have a, a decent chance, perhaps, of putting our hat um, in the in the ring there if we were in the Champions League. But if we weren't, and he's got offers from some of the biggest Champions League clubs in the world, a young man with uh, belief would probably roll the dice and say, oh, I'm, I'm going to try that. If it doesn't work out, then I can go backwards to go forwards later, but it, it might well do because I'm good. And he's really good. Um, whereas a team like Arsenal, if they're in the Champions League, he might see it and his agent might see it as a better stepping stone and playing in the same competition. So as far as growing um, our squad and getting the players, um, I suppose what it comes down to is Arteta, like all coaches, will have a list. Let's say there's five players for each position that he wants. The first player will probably only be attainable if we get in the Champions League. If we don't, then he's getting his second choice. And I sort of got the impression last summer he waited for his first choice and got his first choice in quite a few positions. The Odegaard one is the one that stood out to me because I was pushing for Emi Buendia. I really like that player and I don't know what's happened this season. but um, And I wasn't thinking that waiting for Odegaard just in case he changed his mind and decided to come back was a smart idea. But Arteta did, and it's worked out very well. So there we go. There's the the doors opening and closing, depending on whether we qualify for the Champions League. But either way, I think Arsenal uh, are in some really good shape moving forward. OK, um, on the positive side, I just wanted to talk a little more about Eddie Nketiah. Uh, I am still unsure as to whether, if it were me, I would offer him a new deal because part of me thinks that he's left it a little late in the day to show the um, all-round game that we need from a centre-forward that he showed yesterday. And now, I would imagine, if he keeps playing this way and contributing this way, even if he doesn't score, he will still start because Lacazette wasn't really scoring either. And he offers more threat and he offers more stamina. You don't have to think that one of your subs has to be, you know, a pre-game made. We've got to take Lacazette off after 70, 75 minutes because he's going to be fatigued. And that's helpful for a coach knowing he's going to have three free choices. Um, so I do wonder if he can change opinions in this last month of the season because... For me, I think he's left it too late. The performance yesterday, even though he didn't score, was for me the, his best 90 minutes he's ever provided for Arsenal. And I wonder why he hasn't done that before. I wonder, especially the physical side of the game, he was really competing for headers and he was competing for... Um, he's backing into defenders. I've never really seen him backing with that level of aggression and, de and determination. I think that's probably the best word. He seemed to have a determination to not lose the ball, whereas it was all a little bit, you know, whatever before. And I was just, I was just unconvinced. And he just comes across to me as a, as a sub that you might throw on at the end of the game and maybe a third choice for next season. And I don't think that that would work for him. I think he's, he would know he would be third choice and he wouldn't want to stay for that. So he wouldn't sign a new contract. But if he thinks maybe he's got a fair chance of playing significantly more, I don't know why he wouldn't stay on from his point of view. 
And, you know, he's been with Arsenal quite a long time. And I think we all know if he leaves Arsenal, he's not going to a bigger club. And if he does, he's going to be sitting in the same or worse position on the bench. So maybe he's decided he'd better buck his ideas up and show the coach what the coach has probably been asking for quite a while, which is a more rounded game. And the fact that Lacazette's played more than you, buddy, is probably due to the fact that if he doesn't score, he contributes. And Lacazette has contributed quite a lot this year. He's contributed um, in his physical effort. Um, and uh, and so and his link-up play and such and, and 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 made the team look very fluid at times. It's just that he just has a physical lack and a technical lack in certain areas and an unwillingness in other areas, in the box in particular, for dynamic two-way movement um, and uh, and to run the channel. So so Eddie has that advantage because he has that capability if he's willing to offer it. So it'll be interesting to see what we do with that. Uh, and I'll just wait. I'm just not convinced that that he is going to do this long term. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, my cat has just shown up. So if you hear cat noises on the podcast, then um, I guess that's quite soothing, isn't it? A cat noise. It's not quite as irritating as a dog bark, but she's wanting to be constantly petted here. So um, she's that kind of cat. I suppose they're all that way. Okay, I wanted to talk also uh, about something that my son said uh, towards the back end of the game. I forget who it was that was through on goal and hit a shot over. Um, and he said to me, he said, do, because he calls me do. Um, we're moo and do in this house, don't ask. Um, he goes, do, why do professional footballers miss the target so much and I thought to myself that's actually a really good question and I've thought for a while I guess since moving over here and seeing how other sports approach uh, training uh, let's take American football for example you go out there and you watch a practice and you've got multitudes of coaches now I know in the modern football game these days we have more coaches than certainly when I grew up in the 70s, 80s and 90s where there were just one or two coaches there. Um, but now we probably do more functional training, which is just breaking the players up into their groups based on position and working on things that are specific to their personal need and game. But still, when you watch an American football practice, the guys who are the wide receivers, for example, who are going to score the touchdowns, every single practice, every single practice I've ever seen, they are doing rep after rep after rep of, they call running the routes or routes, as we say. Um, I hate that pronunciation that the Americans have. Whatever. Okay. So they, they run their routes so that they can make sure that they know the plays and they catch ball after ball after ball after ball. And I haven't been to a high elite level training session in a few years to know exactly what's going on. So I don't want to pretend that I know it all. But I feel pretty sure that we approach the sport of football in a different way. And the modern coach is spending a lot of time preparing a strategy for this game, a practice. And with periodization coming in and... Uh, players playing more, 
there's more rest. So I say that there's probably a lack of the functional training. So a player like, uh, well, take any of them, Inketia is a forward, probably doesn't get what he personally needs to improve his finishing and shooting. So he has the reps of hitting the target as often as he probably needs. And in my dream state, I often think what I would do if I had that opportunity and position to teach at that level. And the one thing I know that I would do differently is I would have more functional training. I would have the forwards spend at least half the practice practicing things that they actually do in the game. And I know Rondos are good and keep away has has purpose. I just... I've always operated in my life with the proverbial scales and sort of put that on one side of the scales and say, that's good stuff. And him putting the ball in the back of that is better stuff. So I'm going to work more on that. And it's not that he doesn't know how to do it. Of course, he knows how to put the ball in the back of the net. It's just putting him in game-like situations, which is another problem with, let's say, offensive drills. They're often passive and not in true game-like scenarios. Because And then I'll bring it down to this, and why Maxwell said that um, has that sort of profound truth to it, that players miss the target so much. And for me, it comes down to either the personal discovery as an attacking player that less is more, less power and more accuracy is where they'll find their success. Um, more intentionality, chipping for example, vanished, vanished from modern football. Don't know why. But when was the last time you saw sort of a Glenn Hoddle-like chip over the goalkeeper? It all seems to be about power. And every time that you wrap power in, a blanket of adrenaline, which is the reality that you have to try to replicate in practice, but is so hard to do. But the the blanket of adrenaline that a player feels alongside the butterflies of the moment, and that's why they miss the target, is because they have the mentality of, uh, if I hit it at least hard, then if it's on target and away from the keeper, it's in, because he won't be able to save it. So they rely too much on luck, and I think that's the truth of it. And I think if players were coached to take shorter swings, go for more accuracy in those exciting moments of goal scoring, then they would have a far higher productivity rate. And if they were given the opportunity to practice that moment in the most realistic fashion, at practice, regularly, almost like the American football wide receiver gets to practice it at full speed with people coming at him and clattering him, and I know that seems, seems crazy. You don't want players to get hurt in practice, but there has to be some kind of realism to, so that when he shows up, 20 minutes left to play and feels that tension of a real game that they say you can't replicate in practice, which it will always be true, then we don't make the excuse of, well, we can't replicate it. So let's not even try. Let's just pass him a ball and let him shoot on the goal with no defenders whatsoever, and a goalkeeper giving 70% effort, because that's what happens in practice, and everybody's doing this. And I think there's a better way. So I give my son some credit for coming up with that. I think that that's one of the improvements that the game of football needs to needs to have. It needs to have more functional training, where 
it's more position specific and players do need to realize if there was a, a statistic out there that I'm sure is is there of how often the the ball hits the target when a player shoots at the at the top level it's low and these guys are professional and shouldn't they be at least hitting the target or or if they're missing i mean 5 yards left 5 yards right 5 yards too high but we see so many it's not just Thomas Party who is hitting row G, right? It's not. It's so many of them that just choose power. Um, hmm. Okay, enough of that. So, last thing I wanted to talk about was the Gabriel Jesus situation. And that is really quite interesting. That's just very believable, isn't it? He's worked with Arteta before. He's a pressing monster, played for a pressing team, played for a successful team at a higher level, a level we want to get to, can play multiple positions, centre forward, the one we really need, but could offer that in-game versatility of a fluid movement between the front three, which I think is where Arteta wants to get to, a front three that can interchange. And so that's very believable and probably an affordable price that's not going to go higher than than 45 50 million um so and compare that to other strikers on the market who are whether it's Oshman or Nunes or whoever that prices have been quoted at, at double what we'd pay for Gabriel Jesus so I would be excited by that I think it's a very intelligent thought I also like the fact that um he's Brazilian and bringing in more Brazilian players makes a player like Martinelli and a player like Gabriel want to be a greater part of Arsenal, I, w- I would imagine some of your better players, you want them to stick around and probably undervalue the fact that they want to feel good on an everyday human level and with people that um, think the way that they think are from the same place that they are and that's important too. And a player like Martinelli is going to have a lot of the elite suitors coming, whether it's this summer or next, and we're going to have to have a reason to keep him in if he feels good on the pitch, which I think he does now, and he feels good off the pitch because he's got friends and people who understand him, um, that's important too. Don't undervalue that. Uh, Gabriel Jesus um, has a better goal-scoring record than I think we realise, given the minutes and opportunities. It's just that this season, up until recently, uh, he hasn't quite hit the net as frequently as we want our centre-forward to do. But he's been playing right forward. This uh, season, I don't think I've seen him but just once or twice at centre-forward. Um, I think the only concern that I'm hearing on the social medias uh, repeatedly is I'm good with it as long as we get a, a target man as well, and that's exactly where I sit. Gabriel Jesus uh, is very good in the air, but he's still, I guess, five foot nine, And so, you know, when you throw him up against Lewis Dunk and Adam Webster you know, then your crossing is going to have to be immaculate because he's not going to be able to outjump those guys. You're just going to have to put it on his head. And if you do, he, he might score because he's very good in the air. But we have to have that option. I, I, I keep saying we're leaving too many goals out there on the pitch, whether it's my concern today that you may have read about. Uh, we're not scoring easy goals. We're not running behind the defence. We're not... Um, giving ourselves those opportunities. We're leaving that on the pitch and we leave on the pitch every single week opportunities for our fullbacks um, or, or wingers to cross the ball in 
to a centre forward or an attacking midfielder coming in to head in the net. Well, we don't believe that's ever going to happen with the midfielders and attackers we have in the squad. So we don't do it. So it's one less concern for the defence. And that means that they can maybe overload on Saka or overload on Martinelli, send two players out there because they know that the middle's covered because if Arsenal cross it in, they're not scoring anyway. Right? So um, I would be astonished if Arsenal don't have, even if they were to sign somebody, let's say Burnley get relegated, for example, and Veghorst doesn't want to play in the championship and he's six foot six, even as a third striker, we sell Eddie, we sell Lacazette, and we sign two strikers, and then on deadline day, we go sign a big guy. So when it comes to games where we have to have a target man, we, we have no out ball, no way of holding the ball up, no power, and we're leaving those goals on the pitch, that we at least have that in the squad. We have to have that in the squad, please, please, please. And then Gabriel Jesus makes all kinds of sense and becomes a very intelligent signing, and I love it. Okay, all right, coming to the end of the season here. And Arsenal have rebounded. And uh, we really need Liverpool. Well, we don't need Liverpool to do us a favour. They're going to do themselves a favour, aren't they? I can't imagine. I cannot imagine that they're going to let Tottenham get any points. And thank the Lord that Liverpool are right in the title race. So, I think this might be looking good, he says. Thanks for reading. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Uh,